Hi, y'all, and so glad we're together for an ongoing look at what it means to practice generosity. I'm Colin. For the past four studies, we've explored how to be generous with our time, resources, and our money, all gifts from God to be used for His glory. We've now come to our fifth and final study in this series, and today, Pastor Brian Broderson shows us in this final teaching that there is a principle in Scripture that generosity leads to blessings. And God's kingdom continues to expand when his people give sacrificially. So here we go. This is our final teaching in our series on generosity. I think I can summarize our teaching up to this point like this. As followers of Jesus, we are to be generous as he is generous, our generosity flows from his generosity toward us. You know, a few weeks ago, um, when uh, Char had, had given a message on um, the generosity of, of God toward us, I remember talking to um, a person after the service and they said, you know, I never really thought of giving like that. I never, really, I never really thought of how God gave, and it's out of his generosity that we are giving. And as he said that, I just thought, that, that is so good, because that's, that's really what we want to see, or what we've wanted to see as we've gone through this series, that this is all rooted in God's generosity toward us. To quote Paul's words to the Corinthians once again, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. So God in his generosity sent his son and then Jesus, in his generosity, came and gave of himself completely. Now, it's been a while. This is the fifth in our series. But maybe you remember in our first teaching in this series, we saw how the Israelites contributed so generously to the building of the tabernacle that at a certain point, Moses had to tell them, no more. <laughs> stop, stop giving. We, we've got plenty. And, and perhaps you remember um, that we saw that their motivation for giving was threefold. First of all, it was thankfulness. They gave out of their thankfulness for the fact that they had been delivered from that situation in Egypt where they were slaves. Secondly, they gave out of gratitude for God's faithful provision for them in the wilderness. And then thirdly, they gave out of a commitment to God's ongoing work in the world. And that was being sort of predicted or, or seen through the tabernacle itself. The tabernacle was going to be uh, the means through which this 
you know, God's presence is there and his work is carrying on in the world. So we come back now to consider the Israelites once again and find them in an entirely different situation with sadly an entirely different attitude. The tabernacle in the wilderness after the time of the Exodus was replaced, as many of you would know, by the great temple that was built by Solomon. And then after many years, that temple was destroyed by the Babylonians and the people were carried off into captivity to Babylon for 70 years. And so as we read in Haggai, as we read in Haggai here together today, uh, they have now returned to their own land with a mandate to rebuild the temple and to restore the worship of Yahweh. But as we read in our text here in Haggai, the people, rather than being excited about the work of God and zealous for the house of God, are unenthusiastic, number one, and they are preoccupied with their own interest. Yet, ironically, they are miserable and unable to prosper despite the fact that they have devoted themselves entirely to their own interest. So as, as we see, and we'll walk through it again in a second, but as we see, you know, they're just saying, oh, now it's not time to, you know, build the house of the Lord. We got to concentrate on our own thing. We've got to make sure our houses are established and we've got to beautify our own homes. And this is their mentality and this is what they're striving for. But as the Lord points out, everything it just is sort of not coming together like they were hoping that it would. So I want to use this final teaching, or I want us to see in this final teaching that there is a principle in Scripture, and, and we really need to see this. There is a principle in Scripture that generosity leads to blessing and miserliness and an ungenerous spirit leads to scarcity. This is a real thing, and we need to beware of that and to understand that. Listen to Proverbs 11, 24, and 25. There is one who scatters yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than what is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and the one who waters will also be watered. To quote Jesus once again, I quoted this in the very first teaching. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Wow. 
That's Jesus. <laughs> Jesus said that. So I don't think we should ever give to get. Our, our motive should never be that. Well, I'm going to give this because I'm going to get more back if I give it. That, that is not the attitude that we should ever have. Sadly, there are people who want to be rich and want to get rich off God's people, and they appeal to people's greed with these schemes. And we've probably all been um, subjected to them at some point. Maybe you get something in the mail that's asking you to give your seed donation. Or if you've ever watched Christian TV, it's not as bad as it used to be, thankfully, but, um, <laughs> you know, I remember back in the 80s and probably the 90s, it was almost every, you know, um, the term televangelist was a term that was coined to refer to people who basically just got up and begged you for money. And they would say things like, um, you know, your seed donation, give your seed donation today. Give 10, get 100 back. Give 100, get 1,000. Give 1,000, get 10,000. Give 10,000, get 100,000. And who doesn't want to get 100,000 bucks? People are like, yeah, let me, let me, you know, throw my money in. And this is how they would, and still in some cases do, raise money. But all these kinds of schemes are driven by the desire for wealth on the part of the person presenting the scheme and quite often, unfortunately, on the part of the person who is contributing to it. This is never to be in our hearts when giving to the Lord. As a matter of fact, Paul speaks of false teachers as those who teach that godliness is a means to gain. Paul says this is the way you can identify a false teacher. They teach that godliness is a means to gain. If you are really godly, you're going to be rich. That is called the prosperity doctrine. And again, it's not as prevalent as it was at one time, but it's still very much alive and well in especially, well, American culture, but it's been exported uh, all over the world. So here's the thing. Although we must beware of giving with a false motive, giving to get, we must also recognize that the scriptures do teach that giving or refusing to give will affect our financial state. That is just a simple biblical reality. So this is what we see here in Haggai. So let's just walk through the text. Let's just look at a few of the things that are said here. First, notice what the people say. Look in verse 2. The Lord says, this is what the people are saying. The time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. You know, the irony here is, you know, these are people, too, that came out of captivity. As we saw, the early Israelites that came out of the 400-year captivity in Egypt, 
um, they they were giving over uh, and beyond because of their thankfulness. Here's a group of people who have also been delivered from captivity, but they're just sort of lackadaisical about it, unenthusiastic. I mean, you would think that they're like, man, we 70 years we were in Babylon. Now we're back in the land and we're able to re-engage in worship. Let's get the house of the Lord built. But they're like, nah, that's really not a priority right now. That's what the people say. You know, we need to remember and understand we are, as, as Christians, we are people that are like them then. We are engaged in the work of the Lord. God is doing a work, just like he was then, which, which was to rebuild the temple, reestablish the worship, all in preparation for the coming of the Messiah. Well, you know, we're the people in this generation that are basically doing that. We're not building a, um, a physical structure necessarily, although we might be at times, but we're, we're building the kingdom. Are we maybe like them saying, well, you know, yeah, that's fine, but I, I don't have time for that right now. I got to build this thing for myself. That's what the people were saying. But then here's what the Lord said. Notice the Lord said, is it time for you to be living in your paneled houses while this house remains a ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. God says, I want you to think about this. In other words, God is, God is calling them to, to, to really stop what they're doing, which is focusing on their own thing. Stop what you're doing and think about what's going on. And then he goes through this list of things. You have planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. The Lord's saying, hey, get a clue. There's a reason why this is happening to you. That's what he's saying. Think about it. Isn't it? I mean, it's almost like God is saying, isn't it ironic that you're, you know, you're doing all of this stuff and you're putting all of this energy into your thing, but you're just coming up empty all the time. Why do you think that's happening? That's what God is really saying to them. Think about it. And the Lord goes on and says, once again, give careful thought to your ways. And now he says, go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it and be honored. God says, okay, yeah, think about it. You're doing your own thing and it's just coming to nothing. This is what you need to do. You need to focus on what I'm doing. And then he goes on and he even says here very, very specifically, you expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I blew away. 
God says, why, declares the Lord Almighty, because of my house, which remains a ruin while each of you is busy with your own house. So the Lord says, think about it and build my house. In other words, put me first. You know, this is like a um, sort of an illustration of Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33, very common verse. Many of you would know it. Others of you will know it, even though you don't know the address. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Do not worry about what you will eat or drink or worry about what you're going to put on, so forth. Uh, don't worry about the things that we're so often worried about in this life. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and God will take care of these other things. This is, like I said, this is just an illustration of what Jesus taught there. That's what God is calling them to do at this point. Now, it's interesting because it, as you read through the story, and if we were to go ahead and read through the remainder of Haggai, which is just the next chapter, the people responded to the voice of the prophet, and they did what God called them to do, and they rebuilt and reestablished the ministry in the temple. But here's the crazy thing. It wasn't all that much longer before this same sort of attitude set in once again. And it wasn't so much about building the temple because the temple was built. Now it was just about um, the, the, the ministry itself. And they're developed among the leadership, among the priests, they're developed just a, a like a half-hearted commitment to it at best. And so Malachi, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, right? So Malachi is a prophet who comes after Haggai and Zechariah. Haggai and Zechariah, their primary uh, prophetic ministry, uh, along with Ezra, is to encourage um, you know, the rebuilding of the temple. Ezra is more, once it's rebuilt, let's make sure everything is the way it ought to be. And, and now Malachi comes along a bit later and, and listen to this passage. And some of you will be familiar with this passage, but this is the context for it. This is the question now that God asks the people. Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. How do we rob you, you ask, by not making the payments of the tenth and contributions? You are suffering under a curse, yet you, the whole nation, are still robbing me. Bring the full tenth into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this way, says the Lord of armies. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. Now, this passage is commonly used to encourage the giving of a, of a tithe or a tenth. And maybe you remember a few weeks ago, I talked about that. I don't believe that the New Testament requires the tenth. In some cases, people should give more. In some cases, people are going to give less. But 
setting aside the specific amount, because this was the, the old covenant situation, the point is you're robbing God by not giving. And the Lord is saying this is the reason why. Same thing he said to that earlier group of people. Um, this is the reason why you're suffering scarcity. And then he says this, and this is kind of one of the very few places where the Lord says anything like this. He says, test me in this and see if I will not open the floodgates of heaven. So it's like the Lord is putting forth a challenge. Now, here's some questions I think we just should ask ourselves. Are we focused on trying to build our own house, so to speak? Doesn't have to be that you're in a construction project right now, but you get the point. And yet finding that nothing seems to be working out. Just seem to always be scraping by. Could it be that God's blessing is being withheld from us because we've neglected his house? Could it be? Yes, it could be. That's the point. That's what these texts are telling us. This could be, and if it is the case that you are not committed to building the Lord's house, but to building your own, the reality is the reason you're still suffering scarcity, and it, that, of course, would have a financial aspect to it, but it could just be just in life in general. You just feel like everything's dried up. The reason is, is because the blessing is being withheld, but we are the ones that are causing the blessing to be withheld through our refusal to give. So Cheryl reminded me of this story a couple days ago. Um, years and years ago when we were pastoring down uh, south from here, um, there was, there was a, a person in the church, Cheryl was a good friend with her, and they were, you know, kind of like I'm, I'm talking about, they were always just struggling, always struggling financially, and just never able to make it, and always, you know, everything was just right on the verge all the time of, we're going to go under. And as Cheryl was talking to her one day, the Lord put on Cheryl's heart to ask her about their giving habits. And Cheryl said, as I could completely understand, that is the very last thing she wanted to say to this person. You know, the pastor's wife is asking <laughs> the person in the church about their giving habits. That's just like, no, I do not want to do that. I get it. I completely get it. And she said that the Lord just kept pressing her, like, you need to say this. And she's like, oh, no, I don't, Lord, I don't. It's just going to be so awkward. It's, I don't want to do this. So finally, she just felt like, okay, I got to do it, regardless of how awkward it might be. And she did. 
she asked the question, do you, do you guys, as a family, do you give to the Lord? And the woman was convicted and said, no. We don't have enough to give to the Lord. We, we're barely making it ourselves. And Cheryl just said to her, well, look, I feel like the Lord's telling me that that's the problem. And so she took it to heart, took it to her husband, shared it with her husband, and they realized that this, this is our problem. And they made a commitment to giving faithfully to the Lord. And, you know, they would testify that all of those things that they were constantly struggling with just disappeared over time. The Lord took care of it. And he does that. Now, I want to say something about Father's Day here. Fathers are the leaders in the home. We, we believe that. Not in a dictatorial way, but, you know, of course, we, we lead together. But oftentimes, I have seen over the years, I have seen that the man of the house doesn't want to give. I've, I have met women who have had to give secretly to the ministry because if their husbands found out they were giving, they would be in real trouble. And it's not only the men who do that, but, but my point is, uh, you know, in the case, uh, the story that I just told, the woman receives this word, she goes back to the husband, the husband was compliant, he realized, yes, this is the case, but in some cases, you might have that conviction, you go to your husband or your wife, maybe say, I, f I feel like the Lord is calling us to do this, oh no, we can't do that, that's a problem. And whether it's the husband or the wife or whoever, we need to come to the realization that this is, this is what the Bible teaches. And as we've said from the very beginning, what we really want to discover is what it is to be a follower of Jesus, what it is to be a disciple of Jesus in all of the details of it, not just the, the parts that we are okay with. Now, I'm going to close, and I want to kind of just remind all of us. Um, on the one hand, I want to remind you of something. On the other hand, I want to tell you something that we haven't actually said anything about up until this point. So we decided on this generosity series for two reasons. And we told you about the first reason. The first reason is to break the taboo of talking about money, which was a failure on our part to faithfully present the scriptural picture of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And maybe you remember in the first teaching, I, I talked about that. That, man, this is an off-limits topic in Calvary Chapel. <laughs> we do not talk about this. And so we realized that we were being irresponsible. And as uncomfortable as it might be, we have an obligation to talk about it. Because this is part of being a Christian. Part of being a Christian is giving. So that was the first reason. The second reason, and this will be new information for you, uh, is to make you aware, as Paul did 
to the Corinthians, which we looked in detail at 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, to make you aware of the need. To make you aware of the need. All the ministry that happens through this church, whether it be what happens right here on these grounds, like what we're doing today and what we do several times throughout the week and what we do you know, all throughout the weekdays when it comes to counseling and ministering in the various capacities, whatever it does, whatever it is we're doing, we're doing plenty of things. Um, whether it's right here on the grounds or out into the local community or our different mission endeavors around the world, these things happen because of your generosity. That's how this happens. Now, we have had a dramatic decrease in giving over the past few years. So, coming through COVID, as we, you know, kind of made it through COVID or even early on into COVID, um, we saw about a, a 20% decrease in the giving. And, I mean, that's understandable in the context of COVID. Obviously, everything was in chaos and confusion. But in the past year, we have seen a 30% de decrease in giving. And honestly, it, just, it doesn't make any sense because COVID has passed and people are coming back to church and, and so forth. I don't, I don't know the reasons. But I do know this. We want to continue to expand God's kingdom as we've done for so many years and can only do that if we remain committed to building God's house. Amen. You see, we have, to get, we have to get a vision beyond ourselves. We, we have to think in terms of eternity. You know, what did Jesus say about treasure? He said, store up treasure in heaven, not on earth. Why? Well, moth and rust will corrupt. These will break in and steal. Beside that, you'll leave it all behind when you go. So Jesus says, store up treasure in heaven, where it's really going to count, where it's really going to matter. God's house is built when God's people give of themselves and of their resources generously. Yes. You know, there's all kinds of interesting studies and statistics and things. And I just want to say, this is not a unique problem to us. This is pretty, pretty broadly the case across much of the church world. But what, what's interesting that they're beginning to see is it's a, it, in some ways it's like a generational thing. There was a generation that understood the importance of giving of themselves and of giving of their resources. 
And as a result of that, it developed into a volunteer generation where people were just like, I want to do this for the Lord. I want to do that. I want to serve in this. I want to be part of that ministry. Oh, I'd love to see this. What's currently happening is that generation is getting older and no longer capable of doing a lot of that stuff, in some cases passing off the, the earthly scene. And the, the generations that are coming up are just sort of have a bit of a different attitude. One that's not so generous, one that's not so committed to giving. And, and right now, I'm not talking just about the financial thing. I'm talking about just giving of, of ourselves. And as we're talking about building the house, the question is, Lord, where's my part in building the house? There's no Christian that is to be a spectator. Every Christian is to be a participant in the work of the kingdom. So we have to ask ourselves serious questions. Where where am I contributing to to the building of the kingdom? Am I hoarding my time? Oh, I don't have time for that. I'm so busy. I can't make it over there. I can't commit to that. Am I hoarding my resources? Well, I need this. You know, those are, those are serious things that we have to consider as we think back on God's word to the people. Consider your ways. Think carefully about this. But remember again, God's house is built when his people give of themselves and their resources generously. Let's keep building the house of God. Let's keep building the house of God right here at this location so that through this we can continue to see the kingdom of God expanded. Man, you know, the world needs Jesus. There's so many opportunities. And don't you want to be part of that? I do. I want to be part of that. I hear Stories I hear about places and people that just need the Lord. They need churches. They need new churches. And people need to be sent and provided for so that new churches can start. So all of those kinds of things that we we want to be a kingdom minded people. And that means we're doing our part so the kingdom can spread. And of course... Our prime motivation is because of what Jesus did. This is what Jesus did. Though he was rich, though all things belong to him, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, he set aside his prerogatives, denied himself, And came and gave of himself entirely for us. And in doing so set us an example. So this morning as we come once again to the table. May the Lord speak to us about sacrificial giving. Because when we take that little wafer and we take that cup, what we're taking into our hand is a tangible sacrifice of God himself for us. 
which in turn reminds us that this is how we are to be as well. And so may the Lord, as we share in the bread and the cup today, may he speak to us and may we, all of us, and I'm not excluded from this, may we, all of us, think about these things carefully, weigh it out, recognize where we are not being generous. And may God's grace stir us to a fresh generosity. So Lord, thank you for what you did, that though you were rich, you became poor. That we, through your poverty, might be made rich. And as we share today now, in this bread and in this cup, speak to us, Lord. Speak to us, Lord. Because ultimately, what is ours is really yours because the earth is yours and everything in it and all that we have is just on loan so help us to remember that and to use it wisely we pray in jesus name